0: Welcome to the podcast, episode two. Today we have Olivia Robertson to discuss fascia. Fascia, you will find out all about it mobility and flexibility. We'll talk about what they are, why they're important, and how to include them into your training. Olivia is a PT, a nutritionist, a mindset specialist, and a licensed massage therapist. I'm sure there's more, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep it at that for now. Livia, welcome. We're so happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so um, Leon is here too. We are all in Nairobi. Andy is still in the UK. Andy, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, yeah I'm good. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm a bit rubbish now, so I'll be coming back soon. Yeah. <laughs> but weather seems to be getting better in Kenya, although i will still see. It's still raining occasionally. Yeah, it's,
0: it's been really bizarre. The last two days it's been hot, but wow. the, t- like, yeah.
1: the yeah, toads
0: are singing. Hot. So it might rain. So we'll see.
1: It... Like, not to fine for the last year and a half, I seriously can't remember the last month it didn't have rain. Yeah? rain. Yeah. I can't remember a full dry month in the last year and a half in Kenya. It's
2: yeah. like the seasons are all messed up. Messed
1: up? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like Naivasha's no, is normally quite arid. But, like, literally, you see how green my garden is in Novasha. It's mental.
0: Yeah, is your dam still full?
1: Yeah, it's pretty full, yeah. But, like, it would be full if it hadn't redone done the road. And, but, you know, mm-hmm. you know I, mean, I like to go out with my, my gem being that uh, dig up all the road again and make my, my waterways. Yeah. But, yeah, so, but no, it's, you know, it's just, you've got that on it's green. And, you know, there hasn't been a time, in the last year at least, where it's been arid-looking.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, no, that's so true, it's, 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 yeah, you can't even say we have rainy seasons anymore, it's, no. it's all kind of the same, um, you, you, before we started the podcast, Andy was telling us about his epic eating, Andy, how yeah. much did you eat?
1: Um, it would have been in the range of, it was definitely over 10,000 or something, we reckon it was close to 15, there's a couple of things I didn't include on the tracker, <laughs> um, <laughs> So it's probably, yeah, it was up around 15,000 calories on Sunday. But this way, I put about 10 pounds of weight on Monday morning. Well, it all went to the glutes, right? (laughs) Then it all went back down. Um, But yeah, it's a little bit higher. So I'm nearly, I'm just under 200 pounds. So to think, when I started my gaining, I was one. 168, 170, depending on, you know, the morning. You know, generally about that sort of time. So now I'm like one, well, this morning I was 198. So that'll probably drop, I think, if you know, I had some crap food yesterday. But, um, you know, today I'll be eating normal, you know, chicken, rice and veg and so potatoes. What sort. are
0: your normal calories now, but not the 10,000? Oh, I
1: still. No, like we're, we're just slowly creeping them up. I'm only at 2,500 on a normal day. Oh, silly. Oh, like, yeah, we're like on the same. And then come next week, it may be 3,000. Like we're just slowly creeping yeah. back yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just putting on weight for fun at the moment. Um, <laughs> oh. Like everything. That's why we're holding condition because we kept calories. And then I have like, these stupid high days in between. So if you were to average out across a week, you'd probably say on about 3,500 calories at the moment. Yeah. Like with these crazy holiday but that's one off for my birthday so it's like yeah you know. yeah that that
0: spike did you good <laughs> well Olivia's yeah. been bulking as well this is this is the sort of a uh, we're all bulking here so we found it very hard to all fit into the screen um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh yeah Olivia tell us a bit more about yourself um
3: as far as sort of my my fitness yeah, yeah,
0: fitness journey, health journey, you know, how you got all these qualifications, yes. where did you study? Yeah, um,
3: so for me, actually, it started with quitting smoking, I smoked for about eight years, which is scary to think about, and a lot of people think, oh my god, really, I need to train under this person? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I quit smoking, and I took up running, and so I ran a half marathon, or I started training for a half marathon. Um, and ended up with terrible back pain in about 2012, and thought, shit, what am I going to do? Um, you know, I, I fitness is really important to me. I, you know, I've turned a new leaf, and um, health is everything. And um, and so I decided on a whim, I'm, I'm going to go to India for three months, and I'm going to do a 500-hour um, RYT, which I did. Is that a yoga? Um, that's a yoga certification. So there's two different levels. There's the 200 and then there's a 500 sort of more advanced. And I thought, I'm just going to go whole hog. I'm going to go for three months. And um, yeah, so I ended up in India for three months and my life changed. It took a completely different trajectory. And when I got back to the States where I was living at the time, I um, I started teaching yoga right away and people would come into my class and you know, they'd have aches and pains, and I just knew that I wasn't, I wasn't equipped to help them. And, um, and so my journey really started with that. I, I wanted to learn more about the anatomy and the physiology of movement because I'm such a firm believer that people can really help themselves if they are educated and have the education and awareness um, present um, in a trainer, in a coach, or somebody who can help them. Um, with their bodies and learn their bodies so that's that's sort of where my trajectory started and then I started dabbling in the world of fascia um, with a John Barnes My Fascial course which was the only course that I could get into with no massage qualification or no sort of license um, at that point point. And, um, and that seminar changed my whole life I mean it was it took me two years to actually sit with the implications of what I learned, um, in that fascia sort of world. Um, and cause it's sort of, it's, well, we'll get into it later, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of nuance in this, um, fascial world, which again, we'll get into down the line. So it took me two years to figure out, you know, and synthesize that information. And in that time, again, I wanted to learn more. So I took a comprehensive BASI Pilates training course. So I'm, equipped on you know with all the equipment training um through BASI and then I became a personal trainer also just because I wanted the um additional um additional work and um yeah and then everything again led me to my massage license more recently um so about two three years ago it got three years ago now (laughs) Um, I did my massage licensure and again it was all because I wanted to learn more about the anatomy and the physiology in a much more deep meaningful way so that I could help people Um, and then after that got into nutrition and after that you know I mean obviously there's a lot of continuing education um, so long story short um I, yeah, I've opened up the world of the body in powerful ways and my own story and injuries have sort of guided me through that as well. Um, And now I'm working to build programs online. Um, I still do my massage, that's very powerful for me and I, oops, we lost Andy. (laughs) Um,
2: Should I uh, I just
3: keep going? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, it's an internet connection. Okay. As I was wondering, he was looking like a portrait. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: it looked like he was just stunned by all your qualifications. Yeah. And he was <laughs> like, This is too much. <laughs> no, I it, was, um, it
2: was like a warning internet connection. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, the, the joys. I mean having of
3: podcast technical difficulties, <laughs> yeah. which is okay. Hello, Kenya.
0: I <laughs> oh, you know, it's usually pretty good, though. We've been quite lucky.
3: Well, I'm
2: actually going to use this as an opportunity to continue. So, we are just setting it back up. Alright, so we're back. Had some internet issues, but it's all sorted out for now. Let's hope it doesn't happen again.
0: Right, where were we? Olivia, so why don't you tell us about fascia? I think most people might have heard of it but have no idea what it is and it is sort of becoming quite a a hot topic right now. Um, So yeah, please tell us about fascia. Yeah, let's
3: dive in. I love talking about fascia because it is it's, fasc- it's fascinating. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, no, but uh, so fascia used to be, I don't know if you ever did dissections, it used to be kind of like that white spider webbing that was just cut away and a lot of people just considered junk. And um, more recent studies have showed that actually fascia is connective tissue that literally holds the body together um, into a single continuous unit. So if you took your bones out of your body they'd just be a pile on the floor um, and if you just took your muscles out of your body they would just collapse with gravity but if you pull your fascial body out or your fascial system out of your body it is what gives you your shape and your unique units um, and uh, yeah so it runs through everything um, it connects organs and systems to each other, everything runs through it, your nervous system runs through it, your cardiovascular system runs through it, your lymph, everything runs through your fascia. And the more research that they do, the more they're starting to learn about different phases in the fascia, which is really fascinating. Um, And so, actually they're learning a couple things. So number one, they're learning that fascia has a whole bunch of nervous receptors um, in it, like 10 times more than your actual nervous system. So the first response that your body has to anything outside of you, or even internally, so proprioception or interoception, um, is actually coming to you from the fascial level, which is really fascinating um and again you know there's multiple phases of fascia so it's generally um or at least researchers sort of at this point talks about it as being fluid and some sort of like an acid but it can go through um a whole bunch of different stages which brings us into sort of you know let's talk about you know fashion injury so When that spider webbing of fascia gets injured, it creates tears or snags which then um, don't flow like that normal sort of acid matrix that it usually is. And what happens is that these crystals form in the fascia which then trap everything, every other system from flowing through um, the fascia. Not only that, I mean, obviously, you know, in movement, your um, your muscles are all completely um, interwoven with fascia as well. So any injury in the muscle, like a tear or something, will create snags and crystals within muscles, and then they don't fire correctly. Um, and when the fascia is injured, people have studied that it creates about two thousand pounds of square or. Of pressure per square inch on your body which is a lot of I mean that's huge extremely (laughs) crazy for you know a system in your body that is so much pressure no wonder you know chronic pain um, hurts (laughs) I mean that's you know that's your body pulling in a very specific direction Um, so yeah injury is very very interesting um, when it comes to fascia um, do you guys have any questions? I know it gets a little bit sort of intense and technical when we get into the fascial world. You no, know, I...
0: Well, I've, I Not think I yet. learned through fascia through you, so <laughs> maybe I'd heard about it, but I just wonder why... Why is it only coming to sort of light now? I mean, is it due to sort of advances in like medicine or
3: technology or...? That's a great question, and I, you know, I can only come from come at that question from the massage um, angle. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess it, it goes back in the massage world to Ida Rolf's work. Um, and then three major components or offshoots of Ida Rolf kind of came down um, in the fascial world. So she was, she created Rolfing, which had yeah, that, and that's the most painful thing I've ever, it's extremely, ever done. <laughs> it's extremely painful structural work. Um, and it's it's based on Ida Rolf's structural integration model, um, which is essentially an opportunity to completely reshape your fascia. So if you go into Rolfing, you go in technically for like 12 sessions and it completely changes your body structure. You yeah, know, I did too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: never went back.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's intense. And, you know, for a couple of days afterwards, you are feeling it. Um, but your body does reintegrate and, um, you know, and there, there are definitely a couple ways to work with fascia, um, which we can get into later. But, you know, as far as answering your question, you know, mm-hmm. I think it really, it, it sort of developed with Ida Rolf and then people took it and started interpreting it in different ways. So we can talk about my experiences with John Barnes and Tom Myers, who are both offshoots of Ida Rolf's work. And I've studied from both of them, and they both have a completely different approach. John Barnes is very energetic; he wants to get into this sort of like energy system. Um, when you work with fascia, it's sort of like a conversation, um, and he, you know, he's all about being patient with the body and allowing the body to open. And um, Leon can speak to this because in um, in John Barnes' work, you can have, a, or your clients can have, a lot of really interesting reactions and responses to the work. So um, I've experienced things called spontaneous unwindings in my clients and we can go into that in a minute but I'll just list off a few of the responses that clients can have. Um, Clients can have what looks like a seizure uh, which is actually quite a terrifying thing to facilitate Um, but uh, you know John Barnes purports that in this work nothing you know, your body takes you where it feels like you're ready to go. Um, And so there's this sort of trust in the John Barnes work that there's this intuitive body within the fascia. I know it's starting to sound woo-woo, but (laughs) this is what he says. There's this intuitive body in the fascia that knows exactly what it needs and how it needs to experience it. And so it puts you into positions where it it can learn that it's safe and it can learn that it can... It can expand into a different range of motion or into a different way of being, which is really fascinating when you're talking about injury. Um, but yeah John Barnes definitely he's you know he's an ex physical therapist and definitely in the world of, um, of physio and, and stuff he's considered a complete and utter wackadoodle. doodle. Um, but I think you know there's there's aspects to his work that are really amazing I you know I like the respect that he comes into but yeah so there are these reactions and responses that people can have that are completely based on tapping into the fascia and um Leon experienced some unwinding and maybe he can tell you about that experience
0: well just to cover this is through like body work yeah
3: sorry this is in the body work field yes uh, okay. Um, <laughs> I warned him this well, was coming. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's. it's He's hard on the spot to, it's with just the hard to
2: explain. And um, um, I remember it was day one. I was feeling very tired. Day two, I was getting more and more relaxed, and it, it was interesting because during the work I was thought I was asleep, but I'm not asleep, and it's really sort of hard to explain but it felt really good and uh, well I can say ever since then also my shoulder has really greatly improved so that that was good but it's it's really one of those things I think you have to experience to to understand
3: yeah and as the as the therapist um, what's what I find commonly in clients is that they will have an experience of Thinking that I am moving their body, and um, and I will often bring their attention to the fact that I'm I'm following where their energy
0: is moving, and maybe you can
3: speak to. I'm still to that convinced
2: one. she was moving.
0: <laughs>
2: that one, I'm still.
0: <laughs> so you weren't. His neck was just moving by itself. So
3: apparently, so for, your
2: <laughs> it. for your listeners,
3: for your listeners. You know, I, if I was I was holding Leon's head and giving him a little traction, which means that I was pulling gently on his spine, um, and I just held, I just held there, and generally with fascial work, you need to stay and you need to hold, um, especially this John Barnes work that gets into the more sort of energetic aspect of the fascia, it takes about five minutes to get into it. Um, and uh, and all of a sudden leon's head started really tugging to one side yeah. and so in my training you kind of you you're taught to just kind of follow that flow and you know what's really interesting in what i experience in my clients is that they pull one side and then they pull the other and it's like it's almost like their body does this dance where they're trying to sort of they're trying to you know just ease into a range of motion that they weren't previously comfortable with um, and it's fascinating work so so that's John Barnes thanks Leon for sharing your experience Andy have
0: you I mean what have you yeah. heard about fascia
1: yeah um interestingly I learned a lot more about fascia from butchering goats and sheep on the farm because <laughs> actually no yeah. but like when you when you get like a, a a leg of lamb in order to get to the muscle for cooking you've got to remove fascia and you know, you can see how it stretches across and you can see how fluid builds up underneath it. And if there was an injury to the, the goat, say, during its life, you see that in split fascia, which is quite interesting because then I look at my own leg where i had quite extensive injuries. I've also struggled with my ITB, low-tibial band. Down, like, even when I was in the police, I used to go to a physio because where my belt used to sit, because it, my ITB was so tight, it was just super uncomfortable all day. And I don't know, and even to this day, it may get tight, but I think from the injuries, I can see a change in my leg. I always say this, my uh, right leg um, quads look a different shape to my left leg quad because of the injury. It might be due to probably fascial uh, problems because you know, the actual muscle doesn't have the same lines as my left side. They're there, I can feel it. But when I'm relaxed, or even when I tense some, we, we move differently. Hmm. That be. Yeah. I think
3: that's such a great example um, because the fascia of the well, the ITB is complete fascia, and what people yeah. don't really understand about the um, the ITB is that actually it it almost encompasses the entire thigh. Is what they're finding. So it doesn't just run on that lateral side it actually comes in and weaves its way through every single muscle in that upper thigh, both hamst- you know, all through the hamstrings, all through the quadriceps, um, all the way into the adductors. I mean, it's like that is your strength in your leg. Um, and, uh, and it absolutely, you know, I, you mentioned sort of wearing a belt, and that can absolutely cause tightness and tightening down the whole chain. Um, which actually takes us more into Tom Myers' work, which is much more structural um, in its, you know, definition of fascia and how it he approaches his work into fascia. So, you know, as a massage therapist, if I've got a client who has an issue like yours down the leg, I'll probably start with um, with Tom Myers, and I'll actually, you know, do a lot more structural work. And he's he's got a really interesting. Um, sort of section of or body of knowledge and and sort of interpretation, which in which he he calls his anatomy or his his fascia anatomy trains, where he tracks the fascia through your body, so he could he could identify whatever sling he calls them slings moving through your hip up that IT band, where it connects on your lower, you know, lower limb and where it connects up into your head even. Um, and so in that way, fascia connects through the entire body. So your, you know, your tightness on the IT band um, could have implications in your left shoulder, for example. Or, you know, if you were to follow that sling up um, through your body, he, he says that there are sort of these muscle chains that work together. Um, which again, it gets more technical and more complicated um, when you actually sort of get into them because there's about 12 of them. Um, but it's fascinating to think that, I mean, through that fascial webbing, everything is connected. And so a snag here causes kind of this sweatshirt effect where like there are pulls and things through the fabric of the rest of that fascial body. Um, have you, did you ever get work for that?
1: Um, yeah, but like very sort of, I was given a of stretches and stuff from the physio, like, you know, sort of bringing the leg across and leaning across the other way just to try and stretch it a bit. But it's interesting what you say about the chains and muscles, because guys who PTs now are starting to understand like things like posterior chain, where you've got a group of muscles that all work together. I mean, they all work on the same sort of, you know, it's sort always of these movements because they're all you know combined in, in a essence so that makes sense um to, to me and actually to be fair on this right leg I get problems with my ankle all the way up to my hip and it's because I've had this really bad knee injury in this side and I had it when I was quite young so over time I think you know my ITB has got affected and that pulls everything a little bit out of line so if I'm getting injured like my, my left leg's not much better it's my, my best leg not my good leg um, but if I'm gonna get any other injuries it tends to be in my right leg but well, what's, that's, yeah. what's
3: so fascinating is that you have you have sta- what's called a stable joint and then you have what's called a mobile joint and fascia fascia not only is this matrix that sort of solidifies if there's an injury but um, it also it also is a lubricant right? So if you think about, I mean, because there are so many different phases and people are still studying it um, to really understand it. Even engineers are trying to figure it out because it's, you know, it's, it's ability and its properties to, you know, in, in its ability to change into so many different forms is fascinating. Um, but if you think about how your ankle joint is much more fluid typically than the, the knee joint, which is a hinge joint, and then your hip joint again goes back to sort of that mobile um, ball and socket um, with a big range of motion. If anything happens to that knee joint, it all of a sudden locks up, which affects the joints above and below. Um, and then that creates issues in those two mobile joints where they start to sort of they start to hold in protection. I mean it's it's so fascinating when you start getting into the chains and how how the body protects itself—it is such a fascinating mechanism to keep you safe and to keep you in a functional for your body range of motion. And I love what you said also about how your um, your PT gave you stretches to do because that you know segues yes. us really nicely into sort of how you can work with the fascia at home and getting into sort of mobility and flexibility, which is you know it's all sort of part of the same. Um, conversation, but it is, you know, it's 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 something that you can jump into differently from different interpretations. So, again, if you're thinking about mobility and flexibility from a fascial standpoint, it's going to look different from just simply looking at mobility and flexibility on their own, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah. yeah well. I think, you know, no, well, I, I had a question
2: before. Let me... <laughs> I'll take you back. You guys went... I didn't want to stop you, but... Well, I know it's not been researched long, but... So does fascia detect injury? Help detect injury, or does it prevent? Like you said, um, you know, the nerves, and it has more nerves. So is it like a protective...
3: I think or? I think that's a great question. And, and Leon, I think it's actually both. Um, because, uh, again, it's got... Your your fascia is the first way that you interact with your world, so that's your proprioception, how you see your body or how you sense your body in space, right? But it also is your I think it's like intero-reception, right? So how you sense internally into your body, um, and so what's happening is that your your fascia, because it holds so much, so many more nerves than even your nervous system, is giving you a much faster response to and Zulie's snoring she's like yeah. I'm bored <laughs> no,
2: um,
3: but yeah no, it's giving you a much faster response to whatever the stimulus is whether it's internal or external and I think that that will always play a part in not necessarily diagnosis but becoming aware of something that is not working in your fascial system and this actually, this is a big part of um, going into mobility and flexibility which is awareness and self-awareness not just proprioceptive awareness but intero awareness so being aware of you know what your feet are doing in a certain movement but also how the knee is stacking to the hip and whether there's pain in that leg as you move into your lunge or as you move into a stretch or you know, whatever the case may be, there's so much feedback coming to, into you um, and into your space at every given moment. And um, and that fascia is, is the signal for it.
2: Yeah, so in a way, if we get to understand fascia and we're able to say, like, test it, you'll be able to find, like, which squat stance works best for you, which one works. Like, if you, you know, if you go into someone's fascia and you're able to see uh, the joint works like this, they injured here, or yes. as a baby this happened, and you're able to tell just yes. immediately.
3: So, so I love that question. Again, it sort of takes us into the mobility and the flexibility yeah. because suddenly, you know, once you get into the awareness of your body, which, you know, people who are healthy and who are going to the gym and who are lifting want to be conscious of their bodies. They are generally conscious of their bodies and their lifting form. But what I find is that people who are lifting in certain planes of motion, who don't have maybe a full body um, workout, aren't working their their body in full range of motion. So that's sort of long a long winded way of saying that once you start working into a long uh, a full range of motion, excuse me, um, you can start to identify with awareness. Again, it goes back to awareness. You can identify what is a limiting factor in a healthy range of motion for you in your body and you can start to identify what is weak where you have limitations um and everybody is going to be different you know that's i think where people get a little bit sort of stuck is they they expect that their bodies are going to be able to move in a certain way um but you know there there are people who are hypermobile and you know really really hyperflexible and you know Really love yoga because of it because it's easy for them. Yeah, and then you have your Olympic lifter who's like, I can't touch my toes. No, gee, um, I, I don't
2: enjoy yoga, man. <laughs> 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 She'd see me after two minutes.
3: Well, and that's you know that's based on fascial restriction. Fascia, fascia, basically takes your posture and your functional movement day to day. And it makes it easier for you to go there because the body is amazing. Because the body wants to make your day easier for you.
1: It makes sense. And I know I I got into yoga quite a bit when I was playing a lot of rugby, purely for the mobility side. But we always think of it like in terms of muscle stretching. But actually, muscles are like the mechanical element. The fascia is a structural element of like... You know, like, looking, you know, to a certain extent, there's obviously some movement, and you know, if I go back to butchering of a, a goat or something, you can actually see the, <laughs> the difference is, when you look at the whole leg, when it's in front of you, with the fascia still on, you look around the joint, it gets harder, and it's more like, almost like, you know, it's like a, a muscle tendon attached, and then it gets really soft and, and almost rubbery, or fluid-like, as it moves around. So you can see it's got a job, but it's almost like, you know, now listening to it all, we understand skin, skin's all over our body, you know, humans understand skin because we see it, like, the fascia's not unlike skin as in, without it, our bodies would just fall to bits, you know, holds it all in, allows it to move, but like, you know, with the muscle being almost like the engine or the piston... It's a, you know, it's a bit that sort of allows that sort of movement, you know, that's just a, you know, how I'm trying to work it out in my head at the moment. Yeah, that
3: be well and I think, you know, um, I guess I'm not really 100% clear on your question, but
1: I love... It's not a question, it's just more me trying to understand out loud.
3: Yeah, okay, so, yeah. If, so if we're to sort of follow that thread of thought, um, because of how many nerve endings go into mm. the muscles, right... So you have yeah. to have a form of stimulation that stimulates the muscles so that it can contract or relax, right? Um, and, um, and so what will happen is that the, that fascial response or what they're studying is that that fascial response is going to be the first indicator or the first sort of, um, the first trigger of that movement, the first stimulus. And then maybe the nervous response comes in from that point. Does that help? Yeah.
1: Yeah no yeah no I'm just I think I'm just trying to work it all out loud because I know people listening will be doing much for say it's so, complicated. So sometimes rather than me just sitting here thinking, it's sometimes good to verbalise it. Just a to... well, it, it is,
0: and I always love your goat analogies, and I think you know its it is it that is the best way to see it because like you say, you can see your skin, you can feel your skin, but you can't see your fascia. And yeah. humans, we need to see things, and like mm-hmm. most of us don't slaughter our own goats, but. I like how, yeah. you know, you can see how it changes yeah. um, and mm. how it gets harder or softer. And yeah, there's lots yeah. sort of good for the
1: vegetarians out there. I imagine, yeah. you know, vegetarians listening like, whoa! Are say? But, <laughs> the fact is, this is reality, you know. the um, only way to truly see it in operation. Well, there's maybe scans and stuff, but, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, sort of MRI type things where people are moving and, you know, some sort of cat scans. But generally... I think it's just that quite, because I don't think it's necessarily a new concept, you know, we know about, like, the ITB and stuff for a while, but I think the true understanding of it is only coming to the forefront, really, now, and how important it is to, like, things like fascial release, and, you know, we talk about it in the sense that, like, you know, pain management, and as part of your physiotherapy, or, imbalances in bodybuilding world you know for imbalances and you know i've got imbalances due to injuries so i need to probably do a bit more on my fascia because yeah you know, especially you know my right leg but also like you know my left bicep i just you know, really i'm interested in, i do have a question i'm interested can we truly stretch and change the shape of fascia
3: yeah um, absolutely. So I just wanted to write down a note because I was really inspired by something that you just said, and I think it's really no. important to speak to um, your point about imbalances because a lot of people um, maybe don't understand the implication of an imbalance um, in the fascial world. So imagine you your your right rib cage and the top of your right hip is much more compressed right so your whole right side is starting to sort of lean a little bit more than the left side now if that's a typical postural you know adjustment um, or nuance in your body and that then takes time um, or over time will compile and um, it will create that 2,000 pounds of pressure per square inch over time so that fascia will just keep sort of pulling you in that direction because it's also then working with gravity, right? So yeah. that, that fascia and the gravitational pull is creating this deviation from normal, which then creates pain and, and difficulty in movement. So um, so when it comes to an imbalance, absolutely you can correct them. and, and you know I think it's really important to correct them. Um, but I think that a lot of people get a little bit um, obsessive about
0: deviation and about imbalance. like having the perfect posture. Yeah, and like we've all got imbalances, but I think mm-hmm. the main thing is firstly just to be aware of them because I think most of, most people aren't aware. Because at least if you're aware of it, you know then you can make you know small or work on your mobility or go see a massage therapist. But I think it's become quite a thing these days to have that like, perfect posture and um or like i just see it everywhere like on every instagram advert is something to improve your posture and things like that and
1: i think beyond posture especially in the bodybuilding world it becomes an aesthetic thing and people get all hooked up on you know the lats being the same size as each other and you know going on about symmetry when reality is you know you're right-handed could be right-footed yeah, you know, your body's automatically favoring one side. So there's always going to be a minor imbalance. I just think it's knowing when it's a minor imbalance to a major imbalance, which is affecting your, your quality of life. Yeah. Or your mood. You know.
3: Absolutely. And, and you hit the nail on the head right there, because it will affect your quality of life it is, if it is a major imbalance, especially over time. Sorry, Leon. What no,
2: I'm just also like, Andy, it's fascinating, and I'm thinking maybe... Maybe fascia is the reason why humans are not able to clone till today, like, able to do everything know <laughs> I've gone into, no, it's gone into but, sci-fi, but, <laughs> but <laughs> the fascia, yeah. well, I guess fascia is sci-fi. It is a bit woo-woo, that's yeah. <laughs> so, parts of it. The the man, like, the if you clone someone, you yeah. get a carbon
3: copy, but it doesn't mean things like fascia
0: will develop the same.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So even if you clone like, <laughs> yourself, it may not look... Completely identical to you later because imagine lifestyle and injuries and stuff that are environmentally impacted, your body has an effect on your fascia, which, you know, like
2: you can't really, which has
1: mind. a major effect on how <laughs> your body looks necessarily. And you know, be it from an injury, or say you had a, you were involved in a car crash and you were younger, over time, as you say, that 2,000 pounds of. Per square inch is going to have not necessarily an immediate impact, but yeah. day to day to yeah. day over like ten years, that could be. A, you know, think like I injured my right leg when I was twenty-three significantly. I'm now forty, and that's why I can see now like <laughs> a difference in the way my legs look. Yeah. And you know, that's a long time of of compound. Yeah, true, true, you know. true.
0: Well, it's also like I had my appendix out when I was nine. And, like, scar tissue has a big effect on on the fascia. And I remember when I kind of started learning about this, the physio was saying how that, you know, like you said, the sweater effect, if it's pulling here, you know, that can cause issues all the way into the shoulder because I was also having a shoulder problem. And it was just, I just found that so fascinating. And then when I hurt my back. I think it was the next year that I got even more interested in it and the sort of the fascial lines and slings and how all of that affects and how it's often not where you think it is like I think you know when you know you let's say your shoulder's hurting I remember my shoulder was hurting and Olivia comes and she releases my bicep I'm like what are you doing no. and so the pain the pain went away I'm like no. okay that's yes. that's weird <laughs> and you'll often work on like I don't know if your jaw is hurting, maybe you'll go to the foot, and it's all this. Yeah. Well, that's
1: interesting to say that, here because yeah. I've got my torn bicep on my left side. That's where I get shoulder pain. I don't get bicep pain. I get no pain in my actual bicep, but I will get rotator cuff pain despite not doing anything bad with my shoulders. Like, my shoulders are generally pretty useful, although I did break a collarbone useful. at some point. What
0: happened you,
1: But, you know, yeah. it's more of a fact that, like, I know it's linked to my actual bicep. And it could be linked to, you know, as we say, these fascial slings, or it could be, like, the actual bicep um, head. And that's why I was laughing at that post you did. Uh, On like a bicep stretch. Oh, (laughs) Uh, I think four years too late. uh, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) about four years ago before I took my bicep stretching it, but you know, um, but yeah, and uh, I I like that that sort of third pain because if it's tight in one side, actually you got to follow where the other end is. Yeah, see where it goes because that's what's going to be getting pulled.
2: Yeah,
1: I think tight end.
2: I think with pain, people are used to you know when it's here, it's here. Like a almost like a headache like if it's in the head you take your painkillers it's gone but I think muscles and just joints work very very differently very intricately
0: yeah so well like you said only like if you've got something like happened to your knee
2: yeah
0: now you've got pain in your hip or or if it's in your ankle you might have pain in your hip and it's it's um I, I always find that absolutely fascinating and again mobility and flexibility have all become really popular but I think people are following it without yes. truly understanding where it's coming from and or and that's why it's so important to know about the fascia to kind of get a, an understanding about that and so maybe should we have a look at mobility and flexibility like yeah what they yeah. are kind of like how to differentiate them and also how people can incorporate them into their workouts and We've we've been pretty big into that and um, and but it's uh, it'd just be great to have your
2: worked amazing for injuries and impingements.
0: Yeah, it has. It's been. It's just. It's. I mean, again, I've always said this. I'm so thankful that I got injured because I learned all about this amazing stuff. um, And yeah, I've met amazing people through it, like Olivia. And yeah, if you (laughs) you want to put a face to her her name, she's she's the one in all my uh, Instagram posts. Doing all the cool stretches and oh, stretching okay. Leon's bicep. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: just the bicep. The other stretches are too hard for me. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, 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 the fascia has refused. <laughs> yeah, Leon's fascia
0: is <laughs> tight. Well, He's as stubborn as he is. Yeah, well, yeah. that is true. He's not a Taurus for nothing. You're lying.
3: <laughs> well, I just wanted to, yeah, I guess piggyback on sort of what the conversation was was doing just before this and then take it into mobility and flexibility with an example of a client that I worked with um, when I was in my um, massage practice in the States and um, what was really fascinating is that she came into to me presenting with migraines which she said that she had literally one day a month, maybe, maybe three on a good month where she didn't have a migraine and she's a university student, extremely oh young, yeah. Um, you know, should absolutely not be having migraines that seriously. And um, it must have been about four sessions in. And, you know, I would do, I do always do a postural assessment on my clients. So I look at them standing up because they always look different standing than they do on the table because of gravity. And, you know, again, that fascial pull, imagine sort of, you know, gravity doing its thing also if you're out of alignment. And i um, and one day something just clicked and, you know, I looked at her posture standing and um, she always stood with her, with her hip pushed out to one side, leaning mostly on one leg. And she had started to completely compress one side of her, um, of her hip so that it was literally riding up right into the rib cage. And I just said to her, I know you want me to work on your head today and your neck, because you think that that's coming, well, that's where the headache's coming from. But just go with me. I'm going to work on your hip today. And she had her first migraine-free month and kept coming to me. We, we maybe did about seven or eight sessions together. Um, so at, at the fourth session, that's when I just changed things up. She came back to me the next um, two weeks later, and it was like she was completely a different person. And I'd like to say, on top of that, I didn't just manually work on her. I brought awareness, again, there's that word, awareness, to her posture um, and how to start to retrain her body away from that terrible posture. My massage teacher used to say, stop standing, stupid, stupid. And it was kind of like, you know, you have to retrain that standing posture, you know. And um, it was just amazing. So she's been migraine-free as long as I know at this point which is so cool but um, it's amazing what massage can do along with um, active and passive stretching so um, mobility work is really powerful and flexibility work yes and no Um, so the difference between mobility and flexibility is that mobility is taking your joint through its full range of motion in an active way or through a range of motion that is healthy for you in an active way so you are very conscious of making sure that all your muscles are firing you are um, you're allowing your shoulder joint and shoulder blade to move in a healthy way um, and um, yeah and it's it can be a very powerful restorative tool to use um, and then there's flexibility which is much more passive and I, I like to think kind of more focused on a lengthening of the muscles um, in a range of, of, of movement. So um, I'm just trying to think about how I want to sort of explain active and or mobility and flexibility because, you know, I think they're kind of interchangeably used in the fitness industry today, which can be quite confusing. Um, but yeah, no... Most specifically, or most um, most people who are aware of the difference, mobility means active, and flexibility means more passive. Um, so, what can you do? I think was the next. Yeah, slide. sort
0: of how how people can fit it into their workouts, into their lives. Because um, I know, I mean, the way that we kind of like to do it is just a little bit every day. Mm. Rather than sort of a dedicated one hour session one hour a week, yeah and and like we we normally do it either in between sets to complement you know an exercise or or before it. Mm. Um, how would you sort of yeah fit that in? so
3: i have I have a couple of different thoughts around this because um, i I will often do that too in, and supplement my own workouts with more mobility. And mobility, you can sort of increase into range
0: or into weighted mobility. Well, I can What's just say that mobility is a workout. Mobility is hard work. It is. If you're doing it properly, and, yes. and like I remember doing things with Olivia, and we're sweating. Yeah. But well, once she was doing it with Leon, and a client was watching, and his face was just, he just looked like he was <laughs> dying. <done. laughs> you were doing a wall like, angel. What, what is it? Why? What is this <laughs> It can be really really hard and I remember I got like quad doms from doing like lift lifts. <laughs> oh So God. it's no joke. So if you do mobility properly it can feel like a whole <laughs> workout and and like if you're doing it
3: properly it should it should be quite hard if mm. especially if you're restricted um and, and for me, you know, I mean, I, I think we need to also talk to the, you know, hypermobile people too. Yes. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> very that's, important. That's me for yes. sure. Um, I was getting a whole bunch of injuries because I was, you know, I did my yoga certification and then I was like really flexible and in the splits and this and that. And um, and it just came really easily to me with the mobility side of, or the I should say flexibility side of things because I definitely wasn't strong enough to actually prevent injuries in the depth of the movements that I was doing. So even in like a front split, say I was getting into it in and out of it really easily um, and safely. Um, and so that's I would I would call that flexibility, but in that final position. I couldn't actually be active in my range of motion my pelvis couldn't stay slightly posterior tilted which means that my hip flexor must have been tight um, and holding or my hamstring might have been a little tighter than I actually thought because as soon as you add that active element to a movement it changes the entire feeling of the movement Um, and so you know again if I'm gonna throw it into my workout and I'm my goal and my intention is just to be able to move normally or, you know, to be able to sort of get a little bit more range in my overall movements in my workout. I will, I'll throw them in and sort of pepper them into my my workouts very specific to what I'm about to work. So, you know, I'll do like, I'll do a hip flexor if I'm about to do squats, um... You know, and, and nice sort of kneeling, hip flexor stretch. I think, Clea, we did one together. We did, um, yeah. So you can go to Clea's Instagram for that. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, but if you want to make structural change and you want to change at the fascial level, mobility takes time and it takes getting into poses and doing long holds up to two to three minutes, maybe two to five minutes if you really want to be making... A big difference to your fascia Um, and the other thing that I would say is you know when you're doing anything in mobility and flexibility you want to be 100% conscious of your body um, and aware of your limitations and you know to be able to move around those slowly um, is really really important And I would say, you know, if you're going for that big structural fascial change, you only need one mobility session a week, you know, per body part. So let's say you wanted like hip mobility, I'd say, you know, a good 45 to an hour long session a week is going to be enough to give you serious gains overall.
2: So you can Mm. do like 45 minutes spread out to the week.
3: Um, I would do it all in one session because because what you do is you progress into the depth of your yeah of your stretches so you can set yourself up a routine that sort of you know opens up the hips minimally and then gets deeper and deeper and deeper as you go because as you work your as you work into your hips and and things they'll start to open more so you want to take advantage of that to for the fascia to really sort of change its its sort of it's holding pattern. I feel you would need to work with a specialist for that. Absolutely, I think you should if you're going to do yeah. it safely. Absolutely, um, at, but you know what you can do, um, and what I love as a resource is gymnasticsbodies.com. You can do, you can sign up for like, you know, a month or something. I think it's like you pay by the month, and it's like thirty dollars. Um, but they have a full series called Restore. And they work, you can choose, you know, you can choose shoulder, you can choose neck, you can Mm. choose knee, whatever it is, and they work you through a series of exercises um, specific to building mobility in that area. And then they also have full mobility sections if you're working towards, you know, lateral split or front split or you know, whatever whatever that might be. But what's beautiful about that. Um, website is that it teaches you number one awareness, they're totally awareness focused and they, they start to work with you and you start to learn your body in such a beautiful way, you know, you develop this relationship with your body where you start to learn what your strengths
0: and weaknesses are Oh, that well that I that's so interesting because I was always of the, the mind that, you know, a little bit every day would be better but that, that does make sense um, I always yeah, I just yeah. You'd need I think someone to guide you through sort of longer sessions like that.
3: Yeah, it, and yeah. that's mobility. Yeah. So yeah. so what you you and Leon are doing is more flexibility, where you're working on stretching a very specific muscle before you do your workout, or a series of muscles before you do yeah. your workout, so that you're sort of opening up your range of motion, which is also not it's not bad. Yeah. Also, but if you think sort of like let's say, the 90-90 hip switches, Mm -hmm. right? Those are a passive stretch, which are lengthening from your hips, which is a great Mm -hmm. thing. You know, they get into the adductors, they get into the lateral leg. They're a fantastic, just all-round, lengthening Mm -hmm. um, exercise um, for flexibility. Mm -hmm. And that will, you know, that helps you get into a deeper squat, which when you're working then after sort of a flexibility session into your, you know, into your main workout, you are getting deeper into your squat. You are getting more range generally. So you, you are still building more strength. It's just, I don't know that it happens on a fascial level as quickly mm. as dedicating a day okay. yeah. to... Like, I'm sore after my... If I'm doing, like... If I'm working specifically on my mobility, I'm sore for, like, the next day. Yeah. I'm yes. sore. I'm like, I feel things... But
0: I also feel different in my body. I can yeah. feel it. It is intense. Yeah. Andy what do you do mobility
1: yeah and I have done over time especially when I was fighting and playing rugby mobility and mobility drills i don't probably do them as much as I should nowadays I tend to. I still do for flexibility um, I should probably do a few more, few more things on mobility um, I do try to focus a little bit on my fascia a little bit more now, but I'm more aware of it. And well, I was always aware of my ITV but like more now on it's it's more encompassingness. And you know, I get my Ferro gun out and I try to find different areas to, to try and loosen up. But I should probably do more on my mobility. I want to be able to go back to doing splits again. So I think as I've got as I've got older, my body changed a little bit. I find it a lot harder to do splits the point where i can't actually do them so well now is in like it's still about this much distance off the ground. but i can still touch my toes so i can really get my mm-hmm. head to my toes my, my hamstrings are still pretty flexible but which is one thing i've always had really flexible hamstrings like when everyone else is tearing hamstrings playing rugby i never had problems with my hamstrings but i've always had problems with joints and you know those sort of things which means probably you know, i really should be working on Mobility and flexibility in other areas. Yeah. So yeah. this is one of those things when you're young, you always like to do things that you're good at. Of course. So you know, a hamstring stretch. Yeah, I think I'll do those all day before rugby be game because I'm good at <laughs> it. Yeah. So we don't yeah. Hurt. yeah, you can but show you, off. Yeah. you stretches, <laughs> you spend like ten minutes stretching your hamstrings because you know it's not easy, and you forget all your other stretches and yeah, you're yeah. dynamic. Um, yeah, it's only I'm trying to. Getting more, and I spend more time now than ever warming up before sessions. Yeah, you know, in fact, I would say the majority of my time in the gym is spent warming up now. My actual training part takes a while, but actually, I'm spending more time warming up than ever before.
0: Yeah, which yeah. is it's important in getting your mind in the right place and all of yeah. that. And I mean, Olivia, would you say that you know, like, strength training through full range of motion is in itself sort of mobility because you're holding you know as long as you're not bouncing through exercises doing you know a half range of motion because you're waiting that end range which is kind of what mobility is mm-hmm. yeah absolutely
3: it uh, it definitely um it helps when you're adding again you know i talked about sort of earlier you can add weight into a mobility um, if you're if you're trying to sort of build that mobility, yeah. I always recommend starting body weight, um, mm-hmm. and then. But you know that's just the basics of any sort of anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. want to you want to build up slowly and you know build your range of motion, or, or start with a fuller, more full range of motion with less weight,
1: and then progress into well, most, more. Weight.
0: Most people don't want to do that, because That requires
3: yeah, dropping your ego. I
1: think, I think people get into saying thing of like in the gym, it's actually be worry more about the weight. And actually, and I think it's something I've learned as I get older, you want to think, focus more on going from the shortest possible to the longest possible. You know, get your muscle short as possible to longest possible in a lift. And that's the full range of motion. Then start adding the weight. You know, and I was saying to someone the other day with depth, I was like, look, you know, yeah, you know, you've been doing it so long now. Actually, what you want to concentrate in your progression, in your progressive overload, isn't adding more weight, is actually... Adding more depth, yes. And work, you know, and actually to try and get lower and spend more time at each, you know, stretched and shortened.
3: And know, that's such a early. that's so complicated for some, for most people actually, um, because it actually means that they have to start working into their dorsal flexion, which is tight, so tight for so many people. Um, and and I think that a lot of people actually miss out. Working the mobility of their calves and their lower leg muscle to get deeper into their squat. Absolutely.
1: And that's one thing I've been working on. And I said during lockdown, that's the thing I've worked most on is my dorsal flexion, purely to improve my squat. I used to be a really good squat, and I think injuries are now, you know, but I have to now heel elevate all my squats because my dorsal flexion's got so bad. Mm-hmm. So all this off, um, all this uh, well, during the COVID lockdown, I was actually, I got a really low stool like, you know, and I was just working with body weight, getting my ass to touch the stool, working my ankle flexion. getting get a knee further forward without lifting a heel off the floor, and sitting down and up, and just working on that mobility, and I still, I'm very now mindful every time I get up off a seat, or sit down on even the sofa, actually putting my weight through my heels, moving my shins... Mm. And actually, I just try to be more mindful when I go about my daily business in that mobility range of trying to increase that dorsal flexion.
3: I have some great exercises on my um, on my Instagram. I'll send them to you after this. Oh
1: perfect, Yeah. yeah. It,
2: yeah. Takes, it takes yeah. time. That's why yeah. I will squat forever. It took time to get my squats where they are. I'm not. Well, that's the thing.
1: Yeah. I used to be so good squatting, yeah. but yeah. I think over time the focus left my quads and went into my hips. And then you start squatting heavy and you feel it more in your, yeah. your glutes, your hips, yeah. your hamstrings, a little bit your lower back, because your, your body just starts going,
4: that,
1: Yeah. actually you know, you know going beyond 90, but when you're like, you're, your body's leaning all the way forward and you take so much weight. Yeah. And people, we talk about lever lengths and stuff a lot, but actually half the issue is mobility that dorsal flexion for the majority of people, there's a few people with levers so long... That they will struggle to, to put the weight into their quads. Yeah, you know, I, like, I think have really good flexibility. No, I was just going
2: to say my goal with my squat now is to do like Chinese weightlifter back squats. So yeah. down Watch like, this space. Yeah, it's coming. Because my squat is good, so I'm, I'm yeah, it's still all about yeah, improving yeah. it. Keep your eyes up. You re, yeah, you remember the Trojan days. It was just. Yeah. bang, bang, From bang.
1: Parts, down. It's I see it like back. a lot of young guys still in Kenya yeah. loading the weight up, throwing themselves down. I always have this conversation with you. I'm sure I talk about it every single I yeah, yeah. yeah, we do. Yeah, <laughs> bouncing to the bottom and bouncing to the top. It's like
2: yeah. I never. I don't like watching because I just start thinking no, the hips. Because it's it's like bang and well, people just it you start thinking oh yeah. Like, and I was training gym. my nephew
1: yesterday in the gym with me. He, he's a member of the same gym. And I keep teasing him, saying, i never see you in there. <laughs> he, you know, up with me, so I make sure you are training. And then we, unlucky for him, we went through a leg session. Yeah, and sore. unlucky for the him, buns. I was on a D load. So everything I wasn't doing for myself, I made him do drop beds. <laughs> <laughs> but I got the leg press, like, you know, and I was watching him do it. And so I let him do it for his warm up and we just watch his heel come off the plate. Mm. I was like, right, now next time what we're going to make sure you do is put your weight through your heel and you're going to use your heel and your whole leg to move weight. instead of trying to use just for your toes and calves and, and take some of the burden off, your, off your, your upper leg. And it takes a lot of time. You know, he's 18 now, and, you know, that's why I want to go to the gym with him because if he can not learn the habits I learned as an 18-year-old and waste your first, like, your late teens hmm. and early 20s on poor... Poor mobility and, and part well, right, yeah. of my injury, yeah. and everything else, and actually work on lifting with better form and full range of motion early. He'll progress a lot quicker than I ever did.
0: Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, no, it's so important. Um, I think one last topic I'd like to touch on is massage therapy. I think okay. a lot of people. Don't know what that is. I most certainly didn't till I fe- met my first massage therapist. <laughs> and if it was still in the States, otherwise I would have known. You used to just get pounded. Yeah, we, I just thought it was Pound? Yeah, being tenderised. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> a sports massage, which I always associated with being really, really painful. So one day I thought, I'll just go. I just felt all tired. I like, let me go for a sports massage. Anyway, I was lucky enough to end up with um, a massage therapist who was amazing, sadly she's left, and it it just opened my eyes in a totally different way to massage, and um, I told Leon, you have to go to her, and he couldn't believe it, he went expecting to be tenderised. I was ready. <laughs> and it, it is, a, if you've never been to a licensed massage therapist, it is, it is, it is life changing, so Olivia, can you tell us what a massage therapist actually
1: is? Did yeah, I was going to say, before Olivia says that, I mm-hmm. was going to say, it's, it's quite interesting, because when I was younger, you'd think, I'll oh, go to a massachusetts, so it's really relaxing, get yeah, a massage. And, you know, I remember I had a friend, Zach, who was a personal trainer, very really, you know, successful, in a lot of magazines in the UK. He took up um, this sort of trigger point ma- massaging. And he was learning, he was learning his trigger point massage and he asked if he, I would have a session. And yeah, you go in thinking, I'm, you know, massage is really nice and relaxing. I only really cried my way out of there. <laughs> it was, like, yeah, was up my armpit. and you know, oh, your bicep feels like it's full of stretching me and pushing things up. And I was like, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but it, and it is. And I suppose it's just a funny, funny story because, you know, a bit like when I was younger, you'd think of massages like what you see at a spa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like Swiss massage. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's. I think you it with all sorts of different expectations, and uh, yeah. Well, what's difficult about the answer to this is that they're all kind of right. Um, you know,
3: there there's definitely, and for me, you know, I I have so many, um, so many modalities under my belt. I mean, I probably am training about twelve different modalities, and some range from extremely painful. <laughs> to like shiatsu and the trigger point really fucking sucks and also the medical massage model which essentially is like cupping but with your hands where you just like skin roll Um, and it hurts like hell but it, it is extremely extremely effective for certain types of um holding patterns um but what i would say for most people going to get a massage is that you want number one thing is God, there's like four or five different things that I would say you really need to focus on. Number one, you need to find a massage therapist who knows their anatomy and physiology. That is so important. Um, The best massage takes muscles from insertion to origin or origin to insertion and either lifts them or works the entire body of the muscle from end to end. Um, so that is number one, um, really, really important, makes such a difference. Um, number two is, you know, anybody who works with fascia is great. Um, I think they have a lot of sort of sensitivity in their hands and fingers. Um, everybody works a different way. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, so somebody who works with fascia is always a, a good person to work with. And then um, somebody who, a massage therapist who really um, encourages you to speak up in your massage. That's painful, is a really empowering thing to be able to say. Because pain is not actually generally what you want. Um, You want a massage therapist who can work in slowly and build into intensity when the body is ready and opens itself to to that intensity. Um, and your body will open. It's amazing when you start building that awareness. And so those three things are really, really important to find in a massage therapist. Um, I mean, you know, God, it's really hard because a lot of people think a sports massage is the same thing as deep tissue, and essentially they are and they aren't. There's definitely a gray area when it comes to the type of massage that you can get. Um, if you can ask for a, a, a connective tissue, that is probably my, my biggest recommendation for looking for a therapist. You want a connective tissue massage um, because that should incorporate the fascia, the um, real real knowledge of the anatomy and physiology and, and moving with respect into depths. and... Um, and also that massage therapist should be um, equipped to ask you to voice whether you're comfortable on the table or not. Remember guys, you know your body is your body. You, you're the only person who can feel into it. So your massage therapist, if they're beating the shit out of you, can't feel what they're doing to you. Um, so you need to speak up and say, hey, that's, that's too much. Um, you don't want a nervous response shutting down your muscles um, because then you can't actually get the benefit of massage.
0: Yeah, I think that's so useful. And, I mean, massage therapy has such a, I think it's such an important um, sort of uh, treatment to get, wanna call it a treatment. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, how, if if someone did find a massage therapist, I guess it would depend on what their problem is, Mm -hmm. but... If you could sort of... Yeah. Would you have it once a
3: month? Yeah. I actually would highly recommend if you have something... So let's say, Andy, with your leg, if you're going to go get it sorted out, um, I would suggest that you go find a massage therapist and you go in initially, maybe even... I mean, depending on how long you've had your issue, for at least six to ten sessions of solid work every two days because what you want is you want to you want to get ahead of your fascia. You don't want it to revert back into old patterning, but you want to give it a day between sessions to for the body to kind of settle into the work and integrate the work. So um, what can often happen in deep tissue is that you, you know, I mean, Leon spoke to this earlier with the fascial work. Um, you kind of feel like you've been hit by a bus energetically. You feel exhausted a lot. There's a whole range of experiences that you can have from the work um but what you want is a day between sessions to recover but you want to hit it initially especially if you have a chronic issue you want to hit it pretty hard until you're feeling like okay that pain's starting to relieve um let's give it a few more so it could be like after six sessions you give it maybe a week between sessions after that and you build up to a point where suddenly you're no longer feeling whatever the pain is and you can um you can just come back for maintenance um, once a month after that point, and it's, I, you know, I mean, if you, are any kind of, you know, if you use your body, <laughs> if you are a person, yeah, you need to get body work because it is so powerful and it keeps you, it keeps you supple and um, your joints lubricated. I mean, it's there's so many benefits uh, to list. Uh, with massage it's just amazing Um, and it can actually you know it can be preventative too you you know some people go to a massage therapist so massage therapists in the US um, a lot of people go to them before they even see a physio Um, because massage therapists are you know they're they're not bound by the licensure and the sort of the sort of craziness that a physio is Um, And so they can look at the whole body holistically, whereas a physio might have to look at that pain point area and just attend to that based on insurance. Um, And um, they don't really have license to get a little bit more flexible with how they treat. So a massage therapist, I mean, again, you know, the girl with the migraine that I told you about earlier, I mean, she'd been to doctors and, you know, she'd done the acupuncture and the... All the stuff and then came and worked with massage and you know that was her answer I'm not saying that you know massage is the be-all end-all but I'm saying that it is a really great preventative option
0: out there when well, you have a good yeah. therapist yeah and I mean Leon and I will attest to that hundred percent I mean Olivia you've helped both of us so much as did the previous massage therapist and um they are hard to find they in are hard to Canada. find. Yeah. Um, well, even in the states, actually. Yeah. So if you are looking for one, just remember the points that Olivia said, um, um, yeah, I don't. I I I think the problem that we've said before here is people claim they're something and they're not. So again, if yeah. someone says they're a massage therapist, just like she said, make sure they know their anatomy. You know, ask about connective tissue. If you mention fascia and they look at you blankly, then. Probably not a
1: massage therapist. Um, well, I the think, yeah. I think, like in Kenya, and I've had it, I had someone massaging me, and they we were trying to bend my leg so my heel could touch my butt, which is fine on my left leg, but that happened. But my right leg, it, it just doesn't bend that far. She's really trying to force it to look, it's really hurting, and you will not. Trust me, I've tried it so many times, there's no way you can get. It's
3: like, this, okay. Maybe if I just
1: push harder. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she was She's like, oh, white I was like, just not going to happen. She goes, oh, you've got to do a stretching. I was like, yeah, but the issue's bigger than what you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was, I tore my knee in half almost. You know? It's, like, yeah. it's I, not just the way like really loose. Like, really, like, let's just, just snap it, it again.
2: again. I used to do my massages on Friday for, for a reason. Because Saturday and Sunday, out. Yeah it's recovery yeah. you wake up feeling like you're in a fight
0: yeah so and I like you said if you, that if your muscles and your whole body goes into like what are you doing to me that's not going to be helpful so yeah. yeah just be very I think responsible of who you choose um, and, and choose and, your power yeah
1: choose them <laughs> just, just, uh, just yeah. folks, like another tool in the toolbox yes, yeah you know, we, we, we're happy to train and stuff but yeah you know, you got your nutrition, you have got your training. Yeah, you, know, you go to a doctor when you're sick. But that masseuse element, the deep tissue massage or fashion massage, and all this is just that other tool in the toolbox that we should be using for general well-being It's our whole holistic approach, and I think not. You know, too many people want to do one thing, but they avoid them the other because it's got a little bit of a monetary cost. So you know, it becomes a sort of yeah. And I understand that to a degree, but if you can afford to do
2: things you know, it should be one of your priorities. But it's like, um, um, uh, say like, when I started the gym, I never saw any of the guys I wanted to look like do warm-ups, do mass out. Yeah. I just knew it's chest press, squat, beast-up. Yeah. beast Yeah, it's how so, to you go on everything. I know. The eight. Yes. All form Yeah, which is good now, at least you see some of the stuff yeah. guys do in the background and, get to learn and understand but for most people well n- not everyone researches or uses the tools they well, have to And to I learn. suppose that's
1: a, that's a benefit of social media now we all have yeah. that little bit more knowledge available and this is part of the podcast because it's like African based It's yeah. trying to give people in Kenya and East Africa and actually looking at your share it could be like Micronesia I know. Who else? on in Japan. You know, <laughs> yeah, everyone's knowledge. But the fact is, you know, massage is important. You know, right. it's always beating your body up. It's a bit like being a, a, a rally car driver. You hammer your car around, but it's going to get battered, and you need a good mechanic to occasionally work on it.
4: Yeah, you know, You're keeping
1: mechanics. You can have a bodywork specialist, and engine specialist. A bit like, you know, you've got a doctor, a physio, and a massage. No. Yeah, a masseuse, exactly. A massage therapist it work together to make sure the car stays
0: running. You always have the best analogy, <laughs> from goats to, to race cars. <laughs> but it's, it's, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's sad. I, I know um, the other massage therapist was saying in Canada, insurance covers massage therapy because yeah. it is expensive. I mean, quite rightly, massage therapists, I mean, they are so well-trained if you get a licensed one. Um, and, I mean, sadly, here, it's just not covered by your insurance or anything like that. But yeah. it is worth the cost. If you find a good one, it is really worth worth the cost. You know, part of your, yeah, like Andy said, part of your toolbox, you know, part of your maintenance if you are into bodybuilding and fitness. Self-love. And self, of course, yeah. self care Just, yeah. you know, it's such a great thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially
3: if you're finding a massage therapist who also sort of, there's this, Element, I think, of respect that's really important. If somebody's working with your body, um, for you to be able to relax, there's that sort of respect. Ooh, big trust. Um, yeah. Absolutely, and so you know, if you can find that, absolutely, you've you've won.
0: Yeah. Well, well I think we've we'll, other
1: questions. Okay. Questions. <laughs> All right. So, let's now, go. Now that we're winding down, so I have a question. Now, so obviously, more people are trying to do, be more flexible and more mindful in their warm ups at the gym. I see it now a lot more. Foam rolling. Oh, yeah. Now, foam rolling is done so incorrectly yeah. by people. Yeah. It drives me mad. Yes. And then, you know, just rolling the mid part of the leg, that's it. It's like yeah. no other. So I would like to hear your views on effective foam rolling or if it's effective at all.
3: I'm so glad you asked this question because I had foam rolling in my notes as part of the mobility and, and okay. flexibility. But I totally forgot because we got carried away.
0: <laughs> and yeah. add there are guns in there.
3: Oh, While well, you're at it, yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, I the well, well, don't. Yeah, yeah, don't say anything well. bad about the TheraGun. <laughs> it's the best
2: invention ever.
0: I actually love foam rolling, so don't say <laughs> anything bad about foam rolling.
2: You were either? saying,
0: you know, massages
1: like being beaten up?
2: You know,
3: what? What about the TheraGun? No,
2: I <laughs> <don't>. <laughs> you're doing it
1: yourself. So that's different, <laughs> huh? I mean, it's like you've got to be with the TheraGun, and like my little brother used it on his wife, and gave her, like damaged her, like burnt her skin with it. So he kept it on place and smashed away at her lower back. I was like, Matt, you have no clue what terrible. you're doing need to And, um, yeah, I was laughing because I use it, but I follow, I know which way my, mu- my muscles work. Yes. And I follow from insertion to, you know, origin to insertion and follow the whole muscle. Yeah. So, like, I'll do my legs and i follow one muscular head at a time. Yeah. And just, you know, I need to do it as part of my warm-up now just to get the blood flowing more than, a, like, a massage for... To fix me, I would rather go to a masseuse, therapist to try and fix an issue. Mm. I like to use it just for a bit of blood circulation, mm. maybe just a little bit, yeah, a little yeah, bit of extra vibration to get that. Yes, yeah, you know, loosen it
3: up.
1: You know.
0: Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. It would be a good tool for that. I mean, you can just use your hands and just I slap love,
0: your body. They're, they're sexy. Cool. Yes, yeah, I know you need to have your
2: <laughs> Just doesn't apply <laughs> the same force. I, <laughs> I can't. Well I used to works. do
0: that to Leon. I call it my fang chop and he just said it wasn't good <laughs> enough.
3: So it doesn't yeah, work.
2: There's just something nice about the pterodin. It's just because
0: you don't have to do it. Yes. <laughs>
3: anyway, so back to the foam back, rolling. Yeah, back, back to, to foam, foam rolling. So um yeah, you know, when it comes to foam running, I absolutely love them as a tool. They are phenomenal. Um and I think that they can be so incredible for people. Um if used correctly, yes. A lot of people just sort of do the whole back and forth thing and they're like, oh, that's done. Yeah, and they don't even hit the origin or the insertion of the muscle. They are just like you said, on the belly of the muscle. Um, and um, and what I would recommend is learn some anatomy, just, just basics. Go for quadriceps, go for hamstrings, go for, you know, maybe calf and, and gastroc. And, um, and I would do maybe sort of, Peck. I, I like to do yeah. peck with foam roller, but it has to be sort of at a
1: of funny angle. Yeah,
3: well, no yeah. angle on
0: the foam roller is sexy.
3: You yeah. just look like you're doing <laughs> weird
1: and stuff. Just flopping on I it. I remember that they called cool foam rollers. My one at home is like solid plastic, and there's bloody nothing foamy about it. I often laugh about well, it. Well, my
0: mum likes to tell me Feldenkrais invented the foam roller. Well, you'll have to take that up with her anyway. But anyway, so with foam rolling,
3: uh, my recommendations are actually to move extremely slowly. Um, All you need is like one or two lines through the muscle um, with the foam roller. So imagine you're doing, let's say we're doing quadriceps, right? We start at the hip bone, right? And what you want to do is you want to, You know, take really deep, relaxing breaths. Obviously, you're sort of like you're prone, so you're sort of on your forearms at that point, um, and you want to allow your body to relax as much as possible over the foam roller. I think that's key because
0: you just see people so tensed up because it's
3: painful, and then
0: you're not doing anything.
3: And that's the most important key is you know, any point that you feel along the muscle length, um, from you know origin to insertion, insertion to origin, whichever way you're doing it, doesn't matter. Um, as long as when you hit those pain points, you you pause and you breathe. And, and what you will find is that, again, the longer you take, um, the more time you give your muscle, it will completely relax over that foam roller. And again, you're getting into that fascia.
1: I suppose we are back to a full range of motion again. Like with everything you do with a muscle, you want to be... Fashion going from, you know, as you said, origin to insertion, vice versa. Yeah. You
0: want to do full range, not just, yeah, the, the whole back and forth. Well, I think before you leave, Olivia, we will do a foam rolling video, a uh, well, tutorial. Could, yeah. could be a good one, could, could, be clear, a, yeah,
3: could be a few different, yeah. Leon, I'm out. I, <laughs> <laughs> you I, like, I oh, that's gonna I, hurt. No,
2: I'm honest, I hate the foam roller because <laughs> yeah. it hurts because he's
3: got tight fascia. Yeah. I'd
2: rather oh, so he's good.
1: like prime. Yeah, I would rather.
2: That's why <laughs> I'm Actually, going to invest in a theragun. As <laughs> yeah, it's
1: a bit torturous. No, the but, foam roller uh, is
2: amazing, but okay, oh. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> per, right. personal preference, there, <laughs> yeah. but
3: the other thing that I want to mention about the foam roller is you, that you don't have to work just along with the fiber, you can also work cross oh. fiber to the muscle um, in different mm. ways, um, oh, nice. especially when you hit those pain points working you know, holding, relaxing. As soon as you feel like your muscles relax, starting to engage a little bit and work slightly cross fiber into that muscle will really help to open it up.
0: We need a video. Yeah, we can. We'll.
3: It's we'll, We've, to gotta, describe, we've, isn't we've it? got a plan. Yeah. <laughs> we
0: can do a video for you. Um, the
2: the video company. Uh, the I've got another um, question. Yes.
1: Right? Uh, FST seven training. You may not have heard of this. Uh-huh. Amy Ramboz. <laughs> Right. And it's all about increasing maximum blood flow to a muscle post-training. Post so basically, you do your sets. I in mean your last set, you'll go until you fill the muscle with maximum amount of blood. The idea is that blood increase in your muscle will stretch your fascia over the muscle and increase it over time so your muscles can actually get bigger because the thing he says that limits your muscle size is potentially fascia and how tight that is. So, I'm wondering if that's even a reality, if that can even happen, or if this is just like a guru saying, like, one of his famous training gurus who trains Mr. Olympia, yeah, genetically, machine. Um,
2: and he's been using it for, well, over
1: oh, No, but, but since I was young. Yeah. yeah. Um, he but the thing is, he only trains superiorly genetic freaks,
4: yeah, like true, Phil
1: Heath. True. So, does it truly work? Who knows, you know? I don't think there's much science supporting it, but. Yeah, you know,
2: Fascia stretch technique 7. I think
3: um, so. For me, I think I'd need to learn a little bit more about it. Um, what's really fascinating, and I don't know if it relates to muscle size, but um, Tom Myers has has joined with um, oh gosh, I forget her name. Sorry, um, but anyway, they've created this program um, called Anatomy Trains in Motion. Um, and it works on the principle that I talked about with all the fascial slings and those connections. And she, t- she was a, I think she was a dancer and a yoga instructor. Um, and so what they've done is they've started to combine um, his, his fascial movements with, and, and the idea of sort of starting to enhance or starting to utilize that 2,000 pounds of pressure per square inch in movements so that you can build your strength up um, into sort of you know, I mean imagine if you could use that 2,000 pounds of pressure holy cow you could get freaking strong yeah. um, and so using that fascia instead of your sort of musculature in your movements <laughs> sorry again we've got There's power power issues on
0: and off sorry yes
3: um, but yeah, no, I mean, so anatomy trains in motion is something definitely I've wanted to look into because you know I'm all about the biohacking and the sort of you know using. Yeah, because I could
1: have some serious. That's uses.
3: extremely you know, huge like strength like potential. Uses. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that you know it could have extremely powerful implications when, uh, or when brought into um, you know the lifting world or. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Yeah, any any kind of strength work that you're going to do,
1: yeah. Because yeah. if you can if you can um, use that two two thousand pounds as extra strength talk or whatever, yeah. You know, in as an application for strength training, it's it's massive potentially. It would
3: change yeah. it would change the game completely if you yeah. could if you could harness that power. And I think that you know that's where sort of studies are maybe going is in that direction. And again, Tom Myers is kind of leading the way there um you know yeah
1: interesting because maybe that's the difference between super strong people and not so super strong people is that their body yeah. automatically does it yeah so therefore yeah. they're able to do a 400 kg deadlift yeah and make it lucky because they work and their body works in better unison than say someone who can't do that yes
3: absolutely so is, and what's really yeah. interesting is that you know apparently the movements you know they work on this sort of tensegrity or this sort of there's like a recoil almost in the fascia that they're starting to study. And um, and so, you know, any kind of like hard movements, there's this recoil that starts to build yeah. up pressure. And that's what they're working towards harnessing for, um, for you know, long-term sort of big strength gains, um, which is fascinating. I can because, imagine you know, all
1: the powerlifters... Or wanna be powerlifters who, who listen to this podcast now getting excited. And I know they're like, like hey, I know. Do I do?
3: <laughs> where's this research? What is it? Where do I go? I well, exactly. stay tuned, guys. I'll be taking some uh, anatomy trains in motion courses soon, so maybe I'll have some more information for you. Yeah, well, it, I mean, the
0: world of fascia is only just being explored. so yeah. I think that's really exciting for you, like to be at the sort of forefront of really of cool. that. This is turning into our longest podcast hey. ever. <laughs> um, but it is so interesting, so interesting. Um, sadly, Olivia is going back to the states. We will miss her. But um, yeah. thanks to Zoom, I'm yeah. sure we will have a part two of this because um, <laughs> yes, you know, once uh, Andy's been to a massage therapist, we can now see how it's.
1: get, get it. It again.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's going to get huge, he's just going to be one big giant man, basher man. <laughs> but we will put um, any sort of books or links that Olivia talked about, we will, we will uh, write those down um, and if you do have any questions we will put her Instagram handle there so you can DM her, we obviously don't know as much as her but you are welcome to ask us as well um, and yeah, so we'll
1: just ask Olivia
0: yeah fine. What, whatever way <laughs> yeah but you should follow her, her page is great and we'll. Um, y- yeah if there are any sort of videos you do want us to film in the next week while she's still here <laughs> you can tell us because yeah she she's the she's so knowledgeable about stretching mobility um, yeah foam rolling everything so make the most of her being here um, and Yes, yeah, sadly so you won't be able to have a massage with her, but unless
3: <laughs> unless you're in the states,
0: unless you're in the states, <laughs> yes.
3: Well, for all the people in the states,
0: yeah. Look in Europe. Yeah, and
3: I would just like to mention that you know my Instagram and my social media doesn't do a lot with the um with the body work at this point yet. So with the fashion, the mobility. So if you are interested or you do have questions, shoot me a message, and uh, I love I love chatting
0: about this stuff. It's so fascinating. It really is. Well, Livia, thank you so much for for joining us. It has been so interesting, and it has been our record podcast, so thanks to everyone for uh, (laughs) making it this far. And, um, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week.